Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. You've walked this path many times before. It's a chance to think, especially about your future. How will you turn your retirement dreams into reality? Will you have enough gold for your golden years? Your choices for building funds for retirement can be complicated. Fortunately, you have a friend in the community who can help you make the right decisions. That's your modern Woodman agent. Your agent is a skilled professional who will listen to your needs and desires and then work with you to create a plan that uses the right financial products to achieve your retirement goals. Build a lasting professional relationship with a trusted financial advisor. Hi, this is Thomas Chandler, your local Modern Woodman representative. Give me a call today at 662-296-0186. Let's make a difference together. Hotty toddy and go Rebs. Get in touch with your agent today. Modern Woodman of America. Touching lives, securing futures. You're listening to Talk of Champions, an Ole Miss Spirit podcast with Ben Garrett and David Johnson. This is Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit Ben on Twitter. He's David Johnson at Rebels247. We both write for the Ole Miss Spirit. OMSpirit.com. That's an affiliate of 247 Sports. Today's guest on Talk of Champions is Teddy Cahill. He writes for Baseball America. Ole Miss on Wednesday, National Signing Day. Signed a five-star running back named Jerrion Ely, but you knew that already. What about his baseball prospects? The Major League Baseball draft is something to watch as it pertains to Jerrion Ely, and that's why Teddy Cahill comes on today. What are the options available to him? We'll break it all down with Teddy in just a little bit, but first... He's David Johnson. Big day for Ole Miss yesterday. David, how you doing? Uh, doing good, and so are the Ole Miss football rebels after Wednesday's National Signing Day. Uh, to be quite honest with you, Ben, they almost could not have drawn that up any better as a way to close. Uh, they got all of their targets except the one guy that we always knew was a very, very long shot. And that was Byron Young, who honored his pledge to Alabama and went ahead and signed with the Crimson Tide. But other than that, Ole Miss got everybody that they had honed in on on this final run up to February National Signing Day. The class jumped up to number 22 nationally. Um, I mean, it had a little bit of everything. As you mentioned, a five star in Jerry Ely, a couple of more four stars joining the fold. I mean, they went to war with some other big-time programs and beat them. Look, make no mistake about it. Ole Miss beat Mississippi State for Jonathan Mingo. They absolutely beat Clemson and Alabama for Jerrion Ely. They stole Lakia Henry away from Arkansas during the 11th hour. 
because they relentlessly pursued Henry. And as Ben and I have both talked about on this podcast, I think to both of us, he was the most important guy going into yesterday that they land because he is immediate help at a very sore position, that being linebacker on the Ole Miss defense. He's a plug-and-play guy. And I know that JUCO players very often need a little time to adapt, and Henry's not going to get to campus until late May, but you got him. And he's got all the potential in the world there to make your linebacker core. I mean, just imagine imagine him because in that 3-4 defense, look, he's going to be playing next to Momo Sonogo there in the middle of that Ole Miss defense. You got two capable guys right there. I think the Ole Miss defense got better with him. And then John Rice Plumley. I, I mean, you know, a kid who could have gone to Auburn, Florida State, Mississippi State, Georgia, the Rebels pull him. I think that's a big deal because I think his skill set is tailor-made to fit what Rich Rodriguez is going to want to do with the quarterback position in that Ole Miss offense. No, that does not mean he's going to uh, unseat Matt Corral, uh, not by any measure. But I, I think he I think he probably has a package or two you know, coming this fall. And, and to watch he and Grant Tisdale battle it out, well, that's going to be a lot of fun. And then Ladarius Cox, uh, the kid that – was committed to Tennessee forever and ever, but honestly, all the chatter up to National Signing Day didn't even include the volunteers. Nobody thought he was going to Tennessee. It was an Ole Miss-Auburn batter, battle, and Ole Miss, Ole Miss won that one too. I mean, it was as good of a day as Matt Luke could have hoped for, period. And, um, you know, it's momentum. It is what it is. None of these guys have played a snap for the Rebel shit. But it is momentum. He harnessed that momentum. Uh, there's a little bit more help in your step when it comes to Ole Miss football now with spring practice coming up very, very soon. And I think it, it underscored the impact that Rich Rodriguez and Mike McIntyre have already made on this program and what they were able to do out on the recruiting trail. Mike McIntyre, he didn't play the primary role. John Sumrall played the primary role in getting Lakia Henry to Oxford. But he had a big hand in it. I mean, Henry told me he likes how he 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 was explained that he would fit into this Ole Miss defense by Mike McIntyre. And then Rich Rod, I think he helped pull Jonathan Mingo across the finish line. And I think he was primarily responsible for John Rice Plumley to commit to the Ole Miss Rebels on Wednesday. So, I, I mean, Ole Miss football fans, I, I mean, you've got something to be happy about. Uh, it certainly looks like this is a staff that is capable of pulling in big-time talent. They are. They did on Wednesday. I want to say Lakia Henry, with the 11th hour turn from Arkansas to Ole Miss, certainly caused a stir on the interwebs. Arkansas message board's not happy. Danny White, who writes for the 247 site for Arkansas, insinuating in his post that something crazy, and he not so subtly insinuating that he got paid by Ole Miss and on the day before National Signing Day, his mother, Lakia Henry's mother, going on Twitter, having to defend herself and all these types of things. That's the ugly side of recruiting. The bottom line is this, Lakia Henry is an Ole Miss Rebel, and of all the prospects left that can make an impact year one, he's the one. What do you make of all this online wringing of hands, if you will, in regards to Lakia Henry? You were close in, re in covering that um, process throughout the whole time. Talk to the kid, talk to the mother. What's the deal? Yeah, I, I, You know what I take out of all of it, that in Fayetteville, Arkansas, if you look for an an apartment that is the equivalent to signing a national letter of intent. Um, you know, it's recruiting. It's recruiting in the SEC. And, and I mean, you never count your eggs before they hatch because uh, 
uh, you, you just don't ever know what the what the sunrise on National Signing Day is going to bring. Uh, you know, the fan bases react the same, no matter if it's the Arkansas fan base or the Ole Miss fan base or just insert the name of the school there. You know, there are always going to be some sore asses out there when you lose a player. Uh, and and Lakia Henry is a player. And, and he was going to play just as big of a role in that Arkansas defense as he will play now in Oxford, Mississippi, but um, you know, look, he 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 kind of turned the pendulum, swung the pendulum back towards Arkansas after he went to Texas last weekend on the official visit, and then, unbeknownst to to pretty much everybody, he showed up in Arkansas for an unofficial visit on that Sunday. So the confidence level in Fayetteville, I, I mean, it shot through the roof. Shot through the roof because, uh, you know, word leaked out that he was shopping for an apartment, looking for an apartment in Fayetteville. I, I mean, look, look he's still five, five and a half months, five months getting to uh, to Oxford. I, I mean, so, uh, you know, I, I don't I don't put a whole lot of emphasis on that. OK, he was looking at apartments and things like that. Yeah, but he was still out there. He was still being recruited. Nobody quit recruiting him because he showed up in Fayetteville on Sunday. So, you know, I can, I can, I get the red ass over there about Lakia Henry, but uh, you know, everybody's done it and everybody's had it done to them. I mean, welcome to the SEC. That, that's what I say about that. And as far as his mom goes, I've met the mom. I, I've talked to her. Her name is Sonora Eason. Very nice lady. She has always wanted Lakia in Oxford, Mississippi. You should never discount the mother or, or even the father, uh, the parents' wishes in the recruitment of their child. That plays a big part. And, um, you know, he was always out front about that. Mom, mama wants me in Oxford. Matter of fact, he told me, he told me last week before all of the, the surprise visit to Arkansas broke out, he said, and my mama, I just don't think she wants me anywhere but Ole Miss. And he also said, that may not be my deciding factor, but I'm going to tell you, Mama wants me at Ole Miss. Ole Miss coaches knew they had the mom. They continued to work the mom and Lakia as well, and it paid off in the end. Uh, so, you know, fling accus accusations all you want. You know, people are going to do that. Um, uh, you know, I, I'm not – let me say this. I'm surprised – particularly after Sunday that he came back over to the Ole Miss side of things, but I'm not shocked at all because they knew they had an end. The Ole Miss coaches knew they had an end with the mother. The podcast brought to you by El Agave Mexican Grill. School started back and everybody has to deal with it in their own way. Well, might I suggest the best Tex-Mex in town for some comfort food? Whether you're a parent or student, if you live in Oxford or New Albany, your stop is El Agave Mexican Grill for the best food, drinks, and atmosphere. At El Agave, there's top-shelf Mexican food in a cantina at both locations, and with a warm and inviting atmosphere, you and your family can make yourself at home. It's the best Mexican around that starts with high-quality ingredients and careful preparation. The kitchen gets busy early every morning because El Agave starts from scratch. Every day, making fresh salsa, boiling chilies for their homemade red and green chili dishes, slow cooking their lean cuts of beef and pork, and then pouring the broth off into their homemade sauces. There's nothing like having a full house of folks over for a great Mexican fiesta. So come on over to El Agave in Oxford and or New Albany, 2305 West Jackson Avenue in Oxford, 650 Park Plaza in New Albany. You won't find better Mexican food or margaritas anywhere else. Try the street tacos. Stay for the food and the experience. El Agave Mexican Grill. The podcast also brought to you by Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford. The car buying process can be overwhelming. Believe me, I've been there, like recently. 
You're just looking to get the best deal anyway, right? If that's the case, and to avoid the headache, head on over to Allen Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford. They're going to take care of you and get you into your next vehicle with a great deal. Their inventory is priced to sell. And what separates Alan Samuels is Brian and Mason and the rest of the staff aims to address each of your needs with the utmost respect, care, and attention to detail. Tell them Talk of Champions sent you. They're hardcore Ole Miss fans, so they'll probably want to talk some Ole Miss basketball, baseball, spring football practices. But more importantly, they'll want to make the process as seamless as possible and make sure you get what you want at a good price. Contact them today at 662-234-8000. Stop by and see them at 2201 East University Avenue in Oxford. That's just past Kroger. Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford to find your next perfect car, truck, or Jeep. Alan Samuels, let's be friends. I look at the overall body of work in the February signing period, and you're right, couldn't have done much better at all. Um, Byron Young was always a pipe dream. I know that Ole Miss felt like it was in the race for him up until when he signed with Alabama, but as you and I discussed off the record before, the kid was committed and had been committed to Alabama since July. It's not as if Byron Young was wavering, if at all, really with Alabama. Of course, you listen to all schools that are recruiting you, but Alabama was the school, was going to be the school. No expectation there. But as we were recording these lead-up to signing day podcasts, the question was always, well, how do you feel about this guy? How do you feel about this guy? How do you feel about this guy? At, at a time it didn't seem like they had much momentum with anyone. Maybe we were so used to, with five years, a few frees, um, knowing exactly what was going to happen in recruiting and getting the regular updates. Maybe now it's operating more in silence because Ole Miss has been burned so much the last couple of years. If they continue to have the results as they did on Wednesday, I don't care about the regular reporting as far as like, okay, what about this, this, and this? Don't put up gifts on Twitter and, and whatever someone might do. This is a, if the results, if this is a results oriented business, these are the results you have to have to be successful. So kudos to Matt Luke. Look, I've been critical. I've been seriously critical, especially after the December results. These results are what you have to have. Now, it's a good first step. It can't be the only step, but you're right. The, the results are encouraging. Lakia Henry is such a big get. The question becomes are you going to get Jerry on Ely on campus? And that I think no one knows right now. No one knows, and Matt, Matt Luke said as much uh, during his press conference on Wednesday. Uh, of course, asked about Ely and what he thought about Ely's future regarding professional baseball. And and really, the only thing Matt can say right now is he hopes he decides to play college football, as we all do. Uh, I think everyone's hoping that. And uh, I think Jerry on handled that. He has handled it, and he will continue to handle that very well. He's kind of been out front about everything. He said yesterday, you know, baseball's his first love. Uh, he's about to begin his high school baseball season. Uh, we'll see how those things go. I mean, he, he obviously wants to see how that goes and see where he falls in that June Major League Baseball first-year players draft. Um you know, I'm not going to say Ole Miss fans are going to be rooting that he doesn't have a great baseball spring, but they are. Uh, you know, he's the kind of kid that if he's playing football at Ole Miss next fall, he is a day one impact guy. I'm telling you, I don't think Jerry Ely needs much time to grow up on the gridiron. I, I think, uh, man, if he's plugged into Rodriguez's offense and he knows he's going to have him back there, the one-two punch of Scotty Phillips and Jerry Ely, those kind of talented running backs in your backfield is going to make a suspect offensive line that much better. I'm telling you, it will make them that much better. You know, I look back to all of these years where Ole Miss fans 
constantly complained about the offensive line and not being able to run the football. But, you know, all of those years that that happened, the common theme every single year wasn't necessarily talent deficiency on that offensive line as much as it was in the Ole Miss backfield. Then you get a running back like Scotty Phillips who can tote the rock, and you saw what happened last year. You put two back there this fall, Ben, that offensive line, that uh, Jerry Ely and Scotty Phillips can't do anything to help the depth of that offensive line, but they can do something to make that offensive line look a whole lot better because they are talented running backs and that matters in the ground game. Look, I've made this point before. A head coach has to win three areas. One, coordinator hires. Matt did that, albeit a year too late, but he did it most certainly with Rich Rodriguez and Mike McIntyre too. You got to win in recruiting. Failed spectacularly in December. February doesn't completely make up for the failures of December, but it's a it's a hell of a shot in the arm. And then three, winning on the field. Now, looking ahead and projecting the roster with these players included, who impacts winning next year? If you're trying to identify players that impact winning as early as next year from this class for a roster that desperately needs a talent infusion outside of Lakia Henry, Sam Williams, who are those players for you? Well, on the offensive side, we just talked about him, Jerry Ely. Um, he impacts, if he makes it to campus. If he makes it to campus, he impacts that the, the football on the offensive side. Look, I I think uh, Jonathan Mingo and Dennis Jackson and and probably even Jaden Jackson a little bit more than either one of those two. They all have an opportunity to be impact guys as far as a rotational role in the with the Ole Miss wide receivers next season um you know these offensive linemen you got seven coming in true freshmen offensive line's a tough position to be able to go out there and uh, and call your granny so to speak as a true freshman in the SEC there are strength issues there are speed of the game issues uh there's a lot of things there I, I don't know which one of those seven which one or two of those seven might be able to uh, to kind of help with the depth issue on the offensive line this fall. Uh, I would start off probably with Nick Broker and Darius Thomas being the prime suspects that, that, that may get some good serviceable snaps uh, uh, this fall eventually. But none of those offensive linemen make it to campus to June. That means they, they don't start waking up every morning with Paul Jackson in their grill until June. That's going to take a little bit a bit of time on the defensive side you know sam williams and lakia henry uh they have to be they absolutely have to be day one plug and play impact kind of guys um if, if they're not then uh, oh and you often face that with junior college players a lot of times it's that sixth seventh eighth game it's late october early november before they kind of start feeling themselves after making the transition from juco to the sec but two other guys that we're not talking about nearly as much as we are with, with Sam Williams and Lakia Henry are Jamar Richardson and Jonathan Haynes. Richardson, a cornerback, Haynes, a safety. I guarantee you they're going to help with depth back there. And with spring, they've got a golden opportunity because Montreal Custis and Jalen Jones are not going to be out there in the spring. So they're going to get a lot of reps and a lot of opportunities to prove themselves to Mike McIntyre uh, that they can be trusted to be on the field this fall. So for him, impact guys potentially on the defensive side of the football if you're able to get Jerry on Ely incorporated into what Rich Ride wants to do offensively yeah this team has helped itself immediately from a talent standpoint I truly truly 
believe that. And I think from from a schematic standpoint, from from a game planning standpoint, man, you know, if you want to know where Rich Rod and Mike McIntyre are going to make their biggest impacts, that's what you're going to see this fall. I truly believe that. I think uh, I think you're going to see improved play on both sides of the ball, and that's that's a hard argument to make on offense, particularly with the amount of talent you lost. Um, but um, you know, it, it, it is largely in, about talent that you can put on the field, but that's not the only thing that factors how you play on a Saturday afternoon. And I can tell you right now, I mean, the football team started, uh, you know, on the field kind of team workouts on Monday where they're putting the first team O on the field and the first team D on the field. Now, they're not going head up or anything. They're teaching, they're installing uh, that new NCAA rules allow allow for that. Um I've been told that the intensity level, at least on the offensive side of the ball, is sky high now with Rich Rodriguez on the field. And I think that's a good thing. Let's play a little recruiting rapid fire, if you will. You down for this? I'm I'm good. Recruiting rapid fire. First question. Biggest land for Ole Miss football. If he makes it to campus, Jerrion Ely. Ooh, beating out Lakia Henry and Sam Williams. Okay. Mm-hmm. Jerrion Ely. Why? Why is he the biggest land? Oh, he's he, he's a special talent. I, I I mean, this is a kid that, you know, could could possibly, if he reaches what we think his full potential is on the football field, I mean, he could be a potential Heisman Trophy candidate Ooh. at some point in his career. Jerrion Ely has every skill you want out of a tailback. Ooh. Ooh, it's lofty. It's lofty. Biggest recruiting miss. Man, all the defensive linemen in the state of Mississippi this year. So not N'Kobe Dean. Okay. No, 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 not N'Kobe Dean. All of the defensive line talent that was in the state of Mississippi this year. uh, Nary a one. Which of those misses was the most egregious, do you think? If, if you're asking me the guy that I wanted the most, it was the guy they were on to the very end. That was Byron Young. I, I mean, just his his character, his makeup, uh, his skill set. He was the guy that, that I think they were correct in identifying him as the guy they really wanted. Position best addressed in the 2019 recruiting class? Oh, yeah, you know, quarterback. To be quite honest with you, they've played the last two years with two scholarship quarterbacks, which is absolutely obscene for an SEC program to try to do. I understand why, because of the scholarship limitations. But, I mean, there's Ole Miss is quarterback rich right now. I mean, you've got Matt Corral, a former four-star uh, Army All-American, high school All-American quarterback that's going to be your starter. you got a pair of four-star dual threats uh, that you signed in this 2019 class in Grant Tisdale and John Rice Plumley, And then you got a guy that admittedly is a project, a guy that's going to take a little while probably for him to reach his full potential in Ken K. Dent. That's a pro-style passer, but they signed three quarterbacks in this 2019 class, two of them that they beat out some big-time programs for. Uh, I think they helped themselves at the quarterback position more than they did anywhere else. Position left lacking in the 2019 class. Defensive line. Defensive line. I, I would have liked to have seen three or four more defensive linemen in this class. And again, it goes back to they were all right here in your own backyard and, and you missed on all of them. A couple of them, you, you, you know, you took a flyer on, you didn't want, uh, I, I think you have to say that, but um, yeah, I mean, you can never have enough of those, Big, monstrous defensive lineman. The Keydron Smith category, underrated prospect that contributes in year one is? 
Wow. That's a very, very good question. Um, underrated being the key word, I'm going to go back to one of those Juco corners that came in here, uh, or, or defensive backs, rather. Jamar Richardson, Jonathan Haynes. I'm going to tell you what. I'm going with Jonathan Haynes because talking to his Juco coach, he told me flat out, he said, man, this guy's going to be an NFL draft pick. He's that good. So uh, that's the guy I'm going with, Jonathan Haynes. We don't talk about him a whole lot. He's already here, got, got to Oxford in January. I think you'll see this spring he's going to make a big impact on that defense. The Enrique Davis category, the player that comes in highly ranked, but temper expectations, you got to let him come along and work himself out. Who is that? Oh man, I'm not going to hang that on anybody. <laughs> I am just, I, I, I just, I, I'm it's not going to do category, that. It's a good category, though. Uh, it's a terrible category. It's a good I, category. I, I, far be it for me to do that. I, I am just not going to. Uh, I'm not going to derail a kid's career before it starts, Ben. You're going to have to move on to next question. <laughs> Oh, I love that category. When I came up with that one last night, it made me laugh. And I was like, I'm going to throw it at David. And of course, your reaction was exactly sure. what I sure. expected on that one. Okay, looking to 2020, area almost most needs to address is? Uh, look, uh, you're asking from a position standpoint? Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, uh, again, let's go back to that old trusty defensive line. Okay, I mean, you're losing Benito Jones and Josiah Coatney after this fall. Kadir Shepard. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, you have to keep the cupboard stocked with defensive linemen. And I mean, you know, you go back to those years when uh, Dave Womack's defense here was so spectacular, uh, one of the best in the country. What did Ole Miss have plenty of? They had plenty of defensive linemen. I mean, Kiffin, Chris Kiffin used to walk around bragging about it. Hey, he could play eight, nine, ten on any given Saturday. They need to get back to that level. I mean, defensive line. I think offensive line is the area that was addressed in 2019 that you won't see the most impact until next year. Not next season. I'm talking the year after next season, the the season after next. That's when you'll see those offensive linemen because it's a really strong group. But the crazy thing is, despite that belief and that profile for this group, you need one or two of them to provide some depth. Your offensive line doesn't have a lot of it. Yeah, You don't have any depth. I I, I mean, you know – Really, your depth is what? I don't know, Bryce Matthews? Well, but but the, the thing about Bryce, Bryce is the kind of guy that, that, look, he can play tackle, he can play guard, he can play center. He is versatile. He can play anywhere and plug in all the way across that line. But I, I don't know that they're going to be allowed to use uh, him particularly in that role because I, I think he – I think they're going to have to find a place for Bryce to start. I think that place – could likely be at left guard or even at one of the tackle spots. Um, we're just going to see how everything shakes out, but uh, I, I'm not going to be surprised this fall if Bryce Matthews is not in that starting lineup. But but as of right now, as the way things look on paper, you go, okay, if Royce Newman is starting at left tackle and Alex Givens is starting at right tackle, the guy that has to be your third tackle is Bryce Matthews. Um, Michael Howard is in that mix as well, but but Mike has been trying to put weight on ever since he got to Ole Miss. Yeah, and, I mean, come on, dude. <laughs> I, well, I mean, I mean, so, you know, it, it it's going to be interesting. I think some of that will be able to play out in front of your eyes this spring uh, as to, uh, you know, how they're going to do things. A couple different things you could do. I mean, if – I mean, realistically, you maybe could shift Royce Newman down to guard and put Bryce at one of those tackles. Um, But we'll just have to see how it all plays out this spring. Left guard is a black hole right now for Ole Miss, and there's no obvious candidate to step in and just be the guy. 
Well, you, you, you've got, uh, you got Chandler to it there. You've got no. Jalen Cunningham, you got Jalen Cunningham there, the red shirt freshman who, who played offensive line on the scout team last year. Red flags uh, there though. Yeah. They, they've got some hope in him, I think. Um, but, uh, again, you know, that's what spring practice is for. You put all those combinations out there on the field and you see, you know, let, let the best man win. Is there any offensive lineman that they sign? They sign so many that you think has the potential to surprise and be not a Ben Brown redshirt freshman type of impact, but can certainly provide depth and maybe push to start. I, I don't think there's a Michael Orr or Greg Little or Bobby Massey or Laramie Tunsil out there. Certainly not a Laramie Tunsil out there. But is there a guy that has the potential to help? Like Nell Broker, could he potentially help? Yeah, I think he could. I mean, Broker's very athletic. Um, he's, he's a great basketball player, by the way. It's the uh, hardest position outside of maybe – it, it, No, it is quarter, the hardest. Quarterback and corner? I don't know. I think it is the hardest position because yeah. there's so much physicality involved and there's so much difference in the weight that those guys are able to push around on Saturday afternoons at the SEC level than what they're asked to do on Friday nights at the high school level. Their bodies and, just aren't ready when they get to campus. They just aren't. Uh, it, it's true, and and you know you can't you can't simulate what Paul Jackson is going to put you through before you get there. You just can't do it. You absolutely can't do it. And um, it takes a little time for those guys to to grow up a little bit. Um, but I think uh, I mean if you're asking me the wild card, I mean my two wild cards out of that seven man group would be Nick Broker. And Darius Thomas, the the, yeah. the kid from Jonesboro, as as potentially being the ones quickest to get on the field. But then, I'm not going to discount. Uh, I'm not going to discount any of them because, man, you just don't know. Yeah, and you don't know. You, you don't. And and because I will, I will say, you, you see a lot of guys like Michael Orr and Bobby Massey, those supremely talented players that come in. They start out as guards. Guard is the area in which, as an offensive lineman, you could potentially make an early impact. You're not going to make it unless you're Laramie Tunsil, which is a generational talent. You're likely not going to be a day one starter at tackle in the SEC. Greg Little wasn't a day one starter at left tackle in the SEC. It takes some time, but guard is where you could slot slot in. So I could see one. Once they get that influx of new bodies coming into the offensive line where Jack Bicknell experiments with any number of highly ranked guys at guard, whether they be tackles by trade or not. Yeah, but but you don't want to get into experimenting on Saturdays. And Bick is the kind of guy. I mean, I mean in honestly, practice, but I agree with yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, you know, I, I think he wants to identify as five. And then, you know, if he's lucky to have two or three more that he's, he trusts on playing on Saturday, they'll be in good shape as long as they can stay healthy. They did stay healthy last year for the most part. And that played a big part in the success of the Ole Miss offensive line. Uh, you know, and I, knock on wood, you got to hope they stay healthy, you know, going into that 2019 season and throughout. Last one. Give me the top three prospects right now for Ole Miss to know for 2020. Mm, good question. Uh, I get up to the uh, – look, here, here's the deal on 2020. What's you the know, state like in 2020? It, 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 there's some top – in talent, but it is not nearly as deep as what 2019 was. And this is this is what I was about to tell you. There is more talent in the greater Memphis area in the 2020 class, and that's inclusive of DeSoto County and Mississippi. But the greater Memphis area, let's just say a 30-mile radius around the, the, the center of the city of Memphis than there is in the entire state of Mississippi in the class of 2020. And that's not, that's not as much of a knock on the state of Mississippi in 2020 
as much as it is, you better pay attention to what's going on in Memphis and DeSoto County in this 2020 class. I mean, Ole Miss has three offers out at Whitehaven High School right now. Uh, they're up to, I think it's 10 offers inside the city of Memphis right now, five or six offers in DeSoto County right now. Um, and, and that's where your money is going to be made uh, on the recruiting trail in, in this cycle. John Sumrall has kind of turned into their primary guy up there in Memphis. I'm absolutely fascinated to see how he's going to do up there because I'm going to tell you, I think he's going to do extremely well in Memphis. I think you're going to see Ole Miss's plight uh, in that part of, uh, of of our backyard change dramatically. As a matter of fact, I would not be surprised within the next week, couple of weeks, uh, coming days, let's just phrase it like that, that Ole Miss doesn't pull a big-time commitment out of the city of Memphis. I know who it is. I got my eyes on him. Uh, I, I think he almost committed uh, a few days ago. Um, so uh, look for that to happen soon, which I think they want to happen because it would kind of wave a flag up there, maybe plant a flag up there that Ole Miss is back in, in into things inside uh, the city of Memphis. And this is the class, Ben, to, to be active in Memphis. Located at 1801 West Jackson Avenue, Suite D103 in Oxford, Jackson Beer Company provides Oxford with handcrafted customer service and superior beer knowledge in the northern Mississippi market. Open seven days a week. Stop by and see Alan Jackson and the gang Monday through Friday from 11 a.m. until 8 p.m., Friday and Saturday from 11 a.m. until 9 p.m., and on Sundays from noon until 5. At Jackson Beer Company, we help you handcraft your next event. Whether it's a wedding, Greek event, office party, fundraiser, or other special special event, we offer discounts when you purchase in bulk. At Jackson Beer Company, it is our vision to provide Oxford and Northern Mississippi with handcrafted customer service and superior beer knowledge. We offer 10 different local and limited release beers on our growler station, so you will be able to enjoy draft beer at your home or at your next event. That's Jackson Beer Company, located at 1801 West Jackson Avenue, just off the Ole Miss campus in Oxford. Stop by and see them or give them a call today at 662 638 3642. Jackson Beer Company is a proud supporter of Ole Miss Athletics. It seems like if Ole Miss was going to really get back into Memphis and land some top-ranked guys, this is the time to do it. They've reshuffled, not necessarily areas, because I don't think I think you mentioned on the podcast a week or so ago, they don't do areas so much or assigning coaches to areas so much anymore as they just put certain coaches on different prospects. I think now with more freedom in their recruiting in Memphis and be able to assign who they think is the best recruiter for a particular prospect, that will help them there. Uh, not having the territories, that helps, right, with Memphis because that's a very unique place in which to recruit. It's very hard, though it's an hour away, um, to consider Memphis Ole Miss prime recruiting territory. It's easy on paper, but it's it's more complicated than that. Is well, it not? It, it's a city, and and you know it's a major American city, and yes, it's an hour away from Oxford, but it might as well be Dallas or Atlanta when you're recruiting it. You know, you know the the thing you have to realize is that um, you know those kids up there, most of those prospects, they didn't grow up in the Grove. They didn't grow up, uh, you know, living and dying on every snap of Ole Miss football. So you're recruiting them with a you know starting off with a clean slate so to speak, just like everybody else is recruiting them. That's not to say they didn't have their favorite teams. Of course they did, but some of them were Tennessee fans. Most of them were Memphis fans. Uh, some of them, I mean, Ohio State fans, you name it. I mean, that's what television has done uh, to these uh, 
you know, backyard recruiting areas that you, that you used to have. Pretty much you've taken out a pencil and you've erased state lines in recruiting now. I, I mean, you see Ole Miss do it. Ole Miss is very successful in Texas, in Georgia. This cycle, it was Alabama um, because a kid from the time he's four years old now to the time he gets ready to sign his national letter of intent. And we've talked about this before. They turn the TV on Saturday and if, if they've got an affinity for orange and white, they can become a Tennessee fan. Or if they like, you know, garnet and gold, they can be a USC fan because they can watch every single game that team plays every single Saturday and follow them like never before with the internet and all of that. So, you know, the, these little backyard uh, fiefdoms, if you will, they don't exist anymore. They just do not exist. I mean, we saw that in this cycle. K.J. Jefferson, the quarterback up at North Panola, he goes to Arkansas. I mean, he's 20-minute drive away from Vaught-Hemingway Stadium. He's one of the most egregious misses for me in 2019. Oh. It all goes back to Phil Longo just didn't like him. Uh, well, and look, I agree with everything you just said. You're not wrong about that at all. But in the end, you know, it's like that old Garth Brooks song, Unanswered Prayers. You know, sometimes you thank God for unanswered prayers. Yeah, and you, you got John Reese Plumlee. KJ yeah. Jefferson. Yeah. You probably don't get John Rice Plumley. Yeah, and I'd prefer him. So, yeah, shut up, Ben. You're right. Yeah. There you have it. Yeah, you're right. You're right. This is Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit. Ben on Twitter. He's David Johnson at Rebels247. We both write for the Ole Miss Spirit, omspirit.com, and a food of 247 Sports. Please, if you haven't already, subscribe, rate, review, Talk of Champions, and iTunes. If you're looking for us on Rebel Sports Radio, you won't find us there. You'll find us on SoundCloud. Simply download the SoundCloud app and download Talk of Champions, um, or search Talk of Champions, excuse me, and all the podcasts can be found there as well as in iTunes and on the Ole Miss Spirit, Going now to Teddy Cahill. He writes for Baseball America as a national writer. Jerry on Ely, as David said, the biggest land for Ole Miss on National Signing Day. But Jerry on Ely, the baseball question is never going to go away until and after the draft. Going now to the Cheney's Pharmacy phone line to speak to Teddy Cahill, at Ted Cahill on Twitter. He's a national writer for Baseball America. But before we get to him, for all your pharmaceutical needs, Cheney's Pharmacy is the place to go. Cheney's offers prescription synchronization, immunizations, compounding, a two-lane drive-through, and available hours that ensure your needs are met on your own time. Cheney's also accepts all third-party insurance. It's a locally-owned pharmacy that's been in Oxford over 40 years. At Cheney's Pharmacy, you get the best customer service out there. So give Cheney's a call, 662-234-7221. 662-234-7221. Or go visit them at 501 Bramlett Boulevard. That's right off of University Avenue. They're open 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. Monday through Saturday and 1 p.m. to 9 p.m. on Sundays. You can find them online, ChaneysePharmacy.com. Chaney's Pharmacy, much more than just a pharmacy. He's Teddy Cahill, at Ted Cahill on Twitter, national writer for Baseball America. Teddy, what's good, man? Exciting times, getting close to the baseball season. It's hard to believe opening day is so, so close now. It's the best time of the year. Pitchers and catchers report next week. Couldn't come at a better time either. Another offseason of slow hot stove action. You still have Bryce Harper, Manny Machado, Craig Kimbrell, Dallas Keuchel without teams, Marwin Gonzalez. What's the deal right now with Major League Baseball free agency? It can't keep going this way. It has been. And I think a lot of people thought that guys like uh, you know Harper, Machado, Kimbrell, that they would have been above it, that maybe some of the other free agents would have been enduring some of the same stuff. But it's. Uh, I guess this is where we are in baseball in 2019. It certainly feels like Major League Baseball is headed for a lockout in 2021 when the CBA expires. So what can be done, common ground found, between Major League Baseball and the Players Association to fix it? The NBA owns its offseason, owns free agency and trade rumors. Heck, they own Super Bowl week with their own rumors. It's a year-round interest-building opportunity, and yet Major League Baseball does not take advantage of it. I mean, it's amazing when you 
compare baseball to, to football, which gets its free agency done in like 24 hours and, and basketball where the games are kind of secondary to player movement. And then in baseball, we have this like multiple months long slog through the off season. So I think a lot of people would love, you know, starting with the players would love to see this change. Well, more pertinent for the purposes of this podcast, as you write for Baseball America, you have profiles for any number of prospects, Major League Baseball prospects, one of which being Jerry Ely. Ole Miss signed Jerry Ely as a five-star running back on National Signing Day on Wednesday. What is his draft profile right now? So, I mean, it's some of the things that make him such a good football player carry over. You know, you, you look at him as a dynamic, twitchy athlete. Um, he's a a really good outfielder and I, I think these are some of the things that kind of make him the, the, the football player that he is he's got well above average speed but you know you, you think about some of these these football baseball guys and we, we often talk about them as being a little more raw because they've missed time uh playing baseball when when they have to go play football and, and, and focus on that for uh you know half the year but in Ely's case he's really not behind despite playing as much football as he has he he has uh, you know, really good hand-eye coordination that really helps him at the plate, and he produces an awful lot of bat speed, and uh, he really just doesn't swing and miss that much. So I, I think that he's a guy that, that knows how to put the bat on the ball, and uh, you know, he makes a lot of hard contact, and you, you combine that with his athleticism, and you get this very, very exciting player. Ely currently carries a first-round projection, so what are the options available to him? The expectation, I think, right now is that he gets drafted, he signs, and he goes and plays baseball. But is there a path for Jerrion Ely to wear an Ole Miss uniform as a football player as well? Yeah, so I think that your listeners probably remember uh, Anthony Alford and how that, uh, you know, how he he showed up despite being drafted and signing with the Blue Jays. And obviously, football did not work out for Anthony. And um, your listeners are probably a little bit averse as to why that was the case than I am. Uh, but ultimately, he decides on going the baseball route, and because he had signed, and uh, you know they got him, you know playing some uh, over the, the summer breaks, uh, he was able to make a transition, and, and he should be getting, uh, you know, up to the big leagues pretty soon here. And AJ Brown also signed out of high school um, with the Padres. He hasn't actually ever played for them, and at this point, never will. Uh, but there is that option that Ely could get drafted, sign, and then work out an arrangement, whether that's, um, you know, they, they have something firm where they say you have, you'll come here for, for a month, you know, you'll come here in, in June and, and maybe part of May after you finish school. And then you get to go back and, and participate in, in fall camp and, and then play the football season. That is an option. Now, I don't know if a team would do that for a first-round pick. Um, obviously, the A's let Kyler Murray go back and play a year this year, and we're now seeing how that turned out and how risky that was. And it was a risk when it happened, I felt like, not just because injuries happen on the football field, but also because uh, you know there, there's no compensation coming to the A's if Kyler now picks the NFL. So a team maybe does that for Jerry Neely. Uh, but because he's a high school kid, I, he's a he's a higher rated prospect right now. I think than Kyler ever really was. Um, but at the same time, he's a high school kid that you haven't ever seen do at a high level like the Big Twelve that, that Kyler Murray did. So I, I'm not sure whether a team uh, would cut that kind of deal. Also, uh, you know, he's just a freshman. He hasn't been on campus yet. So would you 
you know, how long would he want to play football for? These are all questions that only he really can answer. Uh, and then the teams would have to work out with. And I, I think that's going to be one of the biggest things as scouts, uh, you know, work on evaluating either this spring is just getting to know him and getting to know where his mind is in terms of what he wants to do uh, with his football ability. What right now would you say is the consensus of the scouting community for the signability of Jerry Ely? I, I think that when you see what he said yesterday during the signing ceremony, that that's going to lead a lot of people to, to assume baseball. Uh, he's not going to be easily signable, though, because he has like, this incredible leverage. Not only um, you know, could he just go and play baseball in college like a guy like Gunnar Hogland did this year, um, he also has the, the ability to say, well, I just really want to play football and you, know, you kind of have to buy me out of that. So I think that um, you know, while he, he is saying he wants to play baseball and, and, uh, and, and he's clearly very, very good at it, he also does have some cards that he can play uh, that you know, aren't going to preclude him from signing, but just might, you know, that's, the, the draft in, in baseball doesn't have hard slotting like it does in the NFL. So, you, you know, Ely can play these cards and, you know, make them, make whatever team drafts and pay him above slot. Or, you know, we see a lot, very few um, first round picks signed, even for slot in, in baseball. Uh, the, the numbers are just so big because of the way, way things work. And he at least could, you know, he, he, he has some, some leverage here to at least get more money out of the deal. Um, or like we talked about, if he does say, you know, look, I really want to play football. Uh, maybe there's a team that, that is willing to, to let him explore that option, uh, whether it's on a limited basis or, or kind of a more, uh, you know, open-ended uh, arrangement. Well, moving over to the current roster, the 2016 class, which at the time was ranked number one in the country, they're draft eligible juniors now. You know the names at this point, Thomas Dillard, Greg Kessinger, Will Etheridge, a number of guys that have draft potential. What's your overall assessment of those draft eligible players for Ole Miss baseball this season? Yeah, I think that, you know, there, there are just a number of them. I mean, Parker Karachi, um, he, uh, he, he had a chance to go out last year, of course, and then wound up spending the summer with, uh, with Team USA. And, uh, you know, I think that that probably helped raise his profile, but, you know, you look at Dillard, you look at Cooper Johnson, uh, Greg Kessinger, those are Will Etheridge. Um, you know, those are probably the big ones. And I, you know, I, I could see any of them going out as the first one. You know, if Will Etheridge proves himself as a starter, he's got a lot of things that, that big league teams will really like. You know, he's a big kid. He has a big arm. And if he shows that he can do it for, uh, you know, over the course of 15 weeks as the Friday night guy, uh, you know, that's going to be, uh, you know, a, a big, um, a big feather in his cap. And then, you know, Kessinger's just such a good defender uh, who, who really seemed to take a step forward offensively last year. And um, people are well aware of who he is and he has the, obviously the, the track record and the, uh, you know, the legacy with his, uh, his grandfather and, uh, Cooper Johnson's another really good defender who hasn't taken that step forward with the bat, but as a catcher who has the kind of defensive tools that he does, if he if he just shows a little bit offensively, I think people are going to be very intrigued with him. That was a player that a lot of teams coveted out of high school. And then Dillard, obviously, is the big power. He is the biggest bat of the group, and uh, he maybe has 
the least positional flexibility. You know, he's kind of limited to, to a corner outfield or a first base. But if he hits big this year in the SEC, uh, you know, that's going to going to turn some turn some heads, and, and he could wind up going out pretty good too. Diller's trying to play catcher a little bit more like he did in high school. Now, no one really knows what he's going to look like in college as a catcher, and he's not going to catch on an everyday basis. But if Thomas Dillard shows at least somewhat capable as a catcher to bring with that offense, which is such a black hole in Major League Baseball these days, does that help him? Does that raise his profile? Oh, absolutely. And, you know, it's quite possible that whatever team drafts him immediately puts him behind the plate and just says, we will work with you as as much as it takes. We will try and, and, and make you into a catcher. But it's also possible that they just look at this, this switch hitter with big time power uh, who, who has a pretty extensive track record of hitting and say, you know, we don't care, just go, go hit for us. So I, I could see it going either ways. But if he were to prove he could catch, if he wound up being the starting catcher, you know, in whatever circumstance, that that's only going to help him, uh, at, you know, because that's such a premium position. If you can have a hitter like that, that can even play there sporadically. I think that's a, a big plus for, for the way the scouts look at uh, a player like that. Of all the guys on the roster, which one has the highest draft upside? Uh, does that include the underclassmen? Oh, sure, yeah. Uh, I mean, I if we're if we're going to throw the underclassmen into, it, I mean, it's hard to argue against Hogland just given where he's been drafted once already. Yeah, sure. Uh, but yeah. of the guys, of the guys this year, I would say, uh, I, I think I would say Etheridge, just because you know the the size, the arm strength. Uh, you know, he's kind of what they look like. And, but, but if it was Greg Kessinger, um, you know, I, I wouldn't argue with that either. I, I think, you know, short stops like that can be pretty special. And, um, you know, there are a lot of good ones out there this year, but if you can rise to near the top of the pack of short stops, then obviously that has very good draft implications for you as well. Cause Kessinger has somewhat of a Zach Kozart profile in some ways coming out of college, at least. Right. Yeah, I mean, he's a little bigger, uh, like like uh, Kozart was, and I I think he's a little bit better defender than Kozart. I mean, may, maybe uh, Ole Miss fans would uh, remember Kozart in, in college a little better than I do, but I, I feel like Kessinger's maybe a little bit better defensively. When I look at Gunnar Hogland, many expected him once he was drafted, 36th overall by the Pirates, to go play for the Pirates, and yet it all kind of fell apart and he ends up at Ole Miss. Um, what was his profile coming out of high school? Was there surprise when he didn't sign, at least in the scouting community? And what kind of college pitcher does he need to be to regain that same type of draft value? So he's a guy that coming into the spring, people knew who he was, definitely. Uh, he was a, 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 a very good prospect, but I don't think anyone coming into the year was thinking that he would wind up going in the top 40 picks. And then he had this unbelievable year. You know, he walks one guy all year in, in Florida competition. And yes, it's high school, but still just one walk is one walk. And so I, he, he really helped himself a lot. And I think that, you know, some of that worked against him signing or, you know, maybe he, um, you know, hadn't really been anticipating, uh, being in that kind of situation, but also the pirates, um, just a couple of years ago had a similar thing happen with Nicola Dolo, who's now TCU's ace uh, and, and is looking at being a first rounder again this year. And it's almost in the exact same spot in the draft. And, you know, so because it was the pirates that this happened to, and, and it happened to them so recently, um, you know, I, I think there was maybe a little bit less surprise. There had always been questions of, uh, you know, when he was 
if he'd gotten into the first round, I think he doesn't end up on campus, but there had been questions of, okay, once you get outside the first round, what's going to happen with him? So I don't think there was a, a complete shock. And then in general, last year, there were like four guys in the top 40 or so that, uh, you know, turned down deals and that's rare, but I, and I don't know that we have a, a, a full understanding of, of why it was that that happened. You know, that's, each one of them individually makes sense, but you know we, we might be seeing a little bit of a trend here where where guys you know just because they get drafted in the top fifty picks that doesn't necessarily equate to them being one hundred percent signings the way it did uh, for several years before that. He's Teddy Cahill, national writer for Baseball America, talking all things Ole Miss. MLB prospects on the roster and Jerry on Ely, a five-star running back who signed with Ole Miss on Wednesday. Thanks for doing this, Teddy. I appreciate you, man. We'll talk again. Absolutely. Fun time. That was Teddy Cahill, national writer for Baseball America. This is Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit Ben on Twitter. He's David Johnson at Rebels247. We both write for the Ole Miss Spirit, omspirit.com and affiliate of 247 Sports. It was a big day for Ole Miss recruiting, but the Wednesday didn't stop there. Ole Miss basketball snapped its four-game losing streak also, it's one in five stretch over its last six games with a win over Texas A&M, 75-71. to Got ahead of Texas A&M by 13 points twice in the first half. In the second half, fell behind by nine, but found a way to win. Did you watch the game? I did. I did watch the game. Uh, I, w- I was really discouraged there at one point. But, uh, hey, h- how is Kermit? I mean, I was, I was catching a little bit of that on TV, late coming out of the locker room. Yeah. Anything to that? I asked him in the postgame press conference, you know, Ole Miss started the second half without you on the bench. Where were you? He had hot flashes, he said, two hours before tip-off. And when he sat down for the second half tip, he knew something wasn't right, didn't feel right. So he went into the um, locker room, took something, came back out and finished it. But I've been talking to some people, the flu, the stomach virus, all those things have been going around Oxford. I feel bad, bad for you Oxford people. I don't live in Oxford anymore, but I feel bad for all of you Oxonians who are dealing with this. Apparently some type of an of uh, illness or infliction has hit Kermit Davis. That isn't slowing him down, however. You didn't seem the same to see the same enthusiasm you're used to seeing with Kermit in the second half. He wasn't up and yelling as much. I don't think he had that in him, and he was a lot more reserved in the postgame press conference. There was some relief, though, because Ole Miss won. I will say without him, Ole Miss was plus one against Texas A&M with <laughs> Wynn Case leading the way and the coaching staff just coaching the team out. Um, but yeah, Kermit, I think he's just dealing with a little bit of that sickness stuff, and you saw that with him having to go take something and then coming back out for the game. But it was um, strange at first to not see Kermit on the bench. You're right, however, in regards to being discouraged uh, early in the second half or as they fell behind by nine to Texas A&M. Remember, Texas A&M came into this game ranked 335th in the country in three-point shooting percentage. And Ole Miss allowed Texas A&M to score nine of its first 13 three-point attempts. Now, you'll say, well, that's a case of uh, of a team just getting hot. Not really. I would say nine of those makes six of them probably six of them were wide open. And that speaks to the overall problem that still persists despite the win with Ole Miss right now. Defensively, at least along the perimeter, where they they were so good, mostly because of Devontae Shuler, they're not playing at the same type of level. A lot of that has to do with Devontae Shuler 
and his inability to close out as quickly and as strongly as he had been before the stress reaction in his foot. But it goes beyond that. Terrence Davis, however, swung the game completely. Seven steals was a career high. He was active. And more importantly, zero fouls against Terrence Davis. He said an emphasis that the coaching staff put on him in the days leading up to the game was to stay in his stance the entire game. They turned on the film against Mississippi State, and he was out of his stance. He was walking around. He was reaching. He was getting called for ticky-tack things. Stay in your stance the whole game. Let your athleticism, let your playmaking, nose for the ball, really play out organically. And Terrence allowed for that. Zero fouls called. This is a player who far and away has the most fouls called against him on the year, 64, averaging three per game going into that game, and yet has zero, seven steals. And I think they were down six points with about five minutes left. And on back-to-back possessions, Terrence Davis had two steals, one of which led to points. Ole Miss, though, it needs to be remembered, yes, a win is a win is a win. Ole Miss's resume for the NCAA tournament is still very strong. Went into the game, projected by Joe Lenardi of ESPN, number eight seed in the NCAA tournament. That's all still there, but there are still problems. I mentioned the perimeter defense, but also Ole Miss didn't score a field goal in its last five-plus minutes. 14 points it scored in the last five minutes all came from the free-throw line. So, offensively, the issues are still there. Defensively, issues are still there. But fortunately for Ole Miss, they've entered a portion of the schedule where they can potentially overcome that. Texas A&M is not a good team. Georgia is going to be tough on the road, um, but that's a winnable game for Ole Miss. There are opportunities on the schedule left for Ole Miss to get those five final important wins in the league, to get to 10 in the league and 20 overall. And getting that one against Texas A&M was huge. It, they completely avoided disaster. Ole Miss has not lost to a sub-100 team all year. Texas A&M would have been that first loss of the year to a sub-100 team. That would have been disastrous for their NCAA tournament prospects. Ole Miss softball opens their season this afternoon at the Friends of Jacqueline Tournament. What's up I, with Mike I, Smith? I, I don't know who Jacqueline is, by the way. Um, but nevertheless, yeah, that's that's – Another thing we need to talk about right there. What's uh, up with Mike Smith? It is being deemed as administrative uh, and a, a a small minor collection of things. Now, I disagree with that, and that's according to Ole Miss sources. Uh, it's not minor when your head coach is uh, not going with the team on the first tournament of the season. Uh, so let's get that. Out, out out of the way first. I asked uh, someone administratively about it yesterday at basketball, and this is not my area. David kills everybody in softball recruiting on the speed. I simply was told, though, this is not a recruiting issue. No, and and, and what I was told is it's just a collection of things. He'll be back in the saddle after this weekend. There's no further, uh, you know, punitive things that he has to serve, do whatever. Um, I try to. I tried to talk to Mike yesterday. He didn't answer his phone. Uh, I did talk to a couple of sources within the university, uh, and I get told the same thing, that it's not a, a, a not a big deal. Well, it is a big deal. It's a big deal. Your team yeah, is it's in unprecedented. Orlando, you don't Florida. See the, yeah, you don't see yeah. this. Yeah, you don't. And um, 
you know, we're, we're continuing to work on this. It's an ongoing story, uh, but hopefully after the weekend, it's going to be over. Ruben Felix will coach them. He's the associate head coach uh, this weekend, and that all gets started 5 o'clock this afternoon. They'll play Central Florida. They play Ohio State twice this weekend. Minnesota, Minnesota's a powerhouse in uh, softball, and then George Mason. Those are their five contests this weekend. They're getting votes right outside the top 25 in a couple of national polls. He's got a deep pitching staff this year, a diverse pitching staff, a good mix of righties and lefties and and, and girls that, that, that can throw junk, girls that can bring the heat. Uh, the starting lineup is good. He's deep at every position. This is a year that Ole Miss softball could, could probably rekindle some of that magic you saw with them in 2017 when they went all the way to the Los Angeles Super Regionals. Uh, and it's a shame that the season got started this way, no matter what the underlying facts are. Uh, it, it's marred the opening weekend. And uh, look, I'm a Mike Smith fan. Awesome dude. Great guy. The man that should be at the helm of that program. But, uh, you know, that, uh, that there needs to be more of an explanation for this. And uh, we're working on it. And uh, and we hope to bring it bring it to you. But uh, I think big things are set for this team. They got to get over this first uh, psychological hurdle that was throughout in front of them. Uh, but um It'll be fun to watch. And, of course, as Ben mentioned, we'll have complete coverage of everything they're doing right here on the Ole Miss Spirit. Ole Miss baseball, big things expected as well in 2019. Real quickly before we get out of here, rundown of what I think the rotation and lineup look like currently. Will Etheridge on Friday, Houston Roth on Saturday, Gunnar Hogland on Sunday. Um, Parker Cracy, the anchor of the bullpen, is the closer. His velo's down a little bit right now, but that don't be panicking right now. That's to be expected early. A lot of guys' velo takes them a little bit to come back um, early in the spring, but I think Parker will be fine in time. However, uh, the rotation, like I mentioned, those three in the midweek, I think you'll see Jordan Fowler and uh, probably Zach Phillips, if I had to put it on it right now, or Austin Miller one. And then the bullpen, Doug Nikhazy, Caleb Hill, um, Austin Miller. I mean, there's any number of arms. Gunnar Hogland obviously will be anchoring that as the middle relief ace, if you will. But the lineup is pretty much set. Catcher will be Cooper Johnson, first base, Cole Zabowski, second base. I would guess Anthony Servideo to start, uh, unless Greg Kessinger can't go on opening day. And then Anthony will be shortstop with Jacob Adams at second, Tyler Keenan at third, left field, Thomas Dillard, center field, Ryan Olenek, and right field, Tim Elko. So Ole Miss, formidable in the rotation as well as in the lineup. Can you do much better than 48 single-season record-tying wins as you did last year? I don't know, but on paper, they're every bit as good as they were last year. Uh, we'll see how it plays out. You know, it's a, it's a really fun group. And they open next Friday against Wright State. So baseball season's about here, David. Just got to avoid that one bad day in June. Yeah, that one bad day. That one bad, 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 bad day. This is Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit Ben on Twitter. He's David Johnson at Rebels247. Thanks, man. I know you're uh, tired and worn down. Get you some rest. You did a, did enough on this recruiting season. Yeah, and I'm going to get some nachos and uh, get ready to watch this pay-per-view Central Florida broadcast of the Ole Miss softball season opener. I'm, I'm pumped. Look at you. You got you got a very bit. You may have to go to Bed Bath and Beyond. I don't know. You don't know if you're going to have time. You know, maybe Hobby Lobby. Who knows? Man, you know, it's interesting you bring that up. I was in the shower the other day, and I hate to, I hate I hate for that mental picture to emerge here on this podcast. Uh-oh. But I need a freaking chemistry degree uh, to to step in my shower, which of course I share with my wife. Uh, but the amount of chemicals in bottles uh, that are on the sh- 
shelf of my shower rack. I mean, I, I don't even, I, I just want some shampoo. I just want some soap. Um, it's impossible. I mean, there's shampoo for everything. Have you been in the sun too long? Have you not been in the sun long enough? Uh, you know, is it cold outside? Is your skin dry? Uh, you know, I, I mean, there's no fewer than a dozen bottles of shampoo in my shower. Got to treat yourself, David. Got to treat yourself. No one else will. Got to treat I, I, yourself. I just need a bar of soap. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.